Buddha uses the image of a goldsmith in terms of um, developing the mind, refining. It's a nice way to look at it, refining. It's kind of maybe more than making more of it, just refining what's there. <coughs> so I think even this, just this very putting it in that light gives one a feel, sense of the gold is already there. You don't have to, you know, find it or make it, just distilling it. So you know, the mind is something that has gold, has innate beauty and, and uh, value to it. But you take the gold comes in ore, so it's in rock, it's only flecks of it, and you have to crush it. And then uh, he uses the image of first washing it, cleaning it, like, and then putting it in the crucible, uh, and then uh, energy, skimming off the dross, and uh, equanimity, to keep regarding it with an equanimous mind. So, several processes there. You know, you can say the washing and the cleaning is a sense of <coughs> our outward behavior. So, just uh, not messing it up, keeping our outward behavior clear and pure and keep, keep washing it. So this is often the image of the, of, um, the precepts. Like a pure cleaning, refining one's actions, keeping it clean, keeping it spotless, not letting the dust accrue. So every day we reflect on that, subjective blemishes, uh, faults in our moral standards, our training standards, and keep it cleaned. Keep an eye on it. And then the, the meditation is the, uh, three, these three factors he places, and of course this is one way of looking at it, places it in other light, in other situations, other occasions. The crucible is samadhi, which we can consider the whole overall aspect of mindfulness and unification of mind, samadhi. An effort, is cleaning off the dross. So as, as you as you melt the ore in a, in a crucible, what happens is all the the uh, impurities come to the surface, form these kind of clinker and, and slag, and you just keep skimming it, taking it off. It's supposed to do that, and then uh, regarding it with onlooking equanimity. So that the mind then is actually not engaged, not doing anything about it, but just staying with it, keeping attentive to it with a sense of even-mindedness and emotional balance. <clears throat> so then the mind is pure and refined. Goldsmith can make whatever he wants out of it. Gold, necklaces, jewellery, and so on. Now, this sense that uh, the mind already has this gold is an important thing to keep remembering, recollecting, getting the, is a poetic, getting the feeling for, getting the meaning of every good action, every sense of 
uh, conscience and concern, every sense of kindness and generosity is is a sign of that gold. Mm, this is innate inclination to do good, to be helpful, to uh, look for the welfare of oneself and for others. This is something we keep noticing and notice it a lot. Mm. People are not lacking in this regard at all. This basic sense is there in this contemplative community anyway. Samadhi takes some is a is a practice and the image here is not uh, of a crucible, just basically containment you might say. Uh, putting it in a in a vessel. So the very act of doing a retreat, you place a kind of boundary on one's activities, uh, limitations on that, putting it all together into a particular place. The, you know, the very outward form of retreat is already a kind of samadhi uh, image, you know, we kind of quiet down, get together, uh, simplify our lives, not try to avoid getting spreading out. And samadhi is not associated in this sense with fanning the fire, turning up the heat, but just of containing. The heat's already there in a way. Both the interest in refinement, an ongoing interest in that, you might also say there's a kind of <laughs> the heat of our life force is already kind of steaming away. Yeah. The heat of our sankharas, of our life energies is already, you know, cooking up. And here we're containing it. The search for pleasure, we're looking for that, just containing that in, in this crucible. Finding one's own pleasure in, in refinement, in, uh, Calm, in simplicity, in joyfulness, in loving kindness. Using the life energies that we have to get in touch with our bodies and uh, our aspirations. We're keeping that contained. So we're not really pumping anything, you're not pumping up samadhi. You're just kind of limiting the outgoing, steadying it, unifying that energy into one particular theme. How to make the mind smoother, steadier, brighter. And with this, all these uh, impurities start appearing. So this is what's supposed to happen. The various dross comes to the surface. And then the effort there is to just keep skimming it off. So you're not churning it up, getting in there, thrashing it around, not even trying to understand why. It's like this, but just skimming it off. That's really like the abandonment, the relinquishment, the letting go, the having done with, the finishing. Okay, just skimming off. Every day we're skimming off. <clears throat> That's the effort. It's not the effort to 
to make something happen. It's not the effort to get anywhere. It's not the effort to become something. It's not the effort to have some particular state. It's just the effort here is applied purely to skimming off the dross. As if, you know, gold, you don't need to make gold any brighter. You don't need, you know, it's already there. I just keep containment and then skimming off. Mm. So, as you know, if you just uh, don't apply that skimming off, then the tendency is to just get indolent and dull. Samadhi gets kind of goes stagnant. If you keep skimming off too much, then what happens is there's no, there's no sense of onlooking equanimity. We lose that. The mind is continually ruffled. It doesn't settle to anything. But also, if you're equanimous before you've applied the samadhi, then this is the stupid equanimity. <laughs> it's the equanimity of kind of watching your house fall down and going, oh. <laughs> you know. it's, there's a difference between stupid equanimity and wise equanimity. Wise equanimity is just checking the, the reactions. It doesn't mean not doing anything. It's checking the panic or the anxiety or the blaming or the misery, you know, checking those emotional triggers and then what's the wise response <clears throat> so it's not a matter of just sitting and letting be whatever is but uh, containing then just that sense of skimming off and keep on, on looking without reactivity it's keeps the action purposeful rather than compulsive. I think part of that is beginning to see some of the uh, you know the clarity, the good intentions, the wisdom that's there. Not discounting that, not ignoring that. As to what we skim off, you can look at these lists of these, but you have the uh, sense craving, sound, sights, touches, tastes, things like that. And these are uh, corruptions because they capture the mind's brilliance. The mind's brilliance gets invested in the sense realm. So suddenly things can be exceptionally lustrous. Sound, sights, touches, places, bodies, food becomes kind of charismatic because it's as if the mind's energies go into those topics and make that which is just not very not great into something magnetic. So we've got to kind of keep contemplating that, you know, the difference between the object and what we put into it. How wonderful is this, that, this, that, that, that. How fantastic would it be to have one of those? Uh, Really? People have, generally people have experienced the sense 
all the sense pleasures in basically when they take up this life you know you know what it's about you know it wasn't that great otherwise you wouldn't be here so then it suddenly comes back with great charismatic intensity of how fantastic was would be should be will be or dream on you know why is it everybody else in the world is running around looking miserable <laughs> if there was satisfaction in these things so at least topically you can check it through that thought, but then this energy itself is, is very, you know, is where you pulls the mind. It's this brilliance, lustrous quality of the mind. So you've got that's what you have to that magnetism, that drive. You've got to kind of keep bringing that back into present moment, into the body, into groundedness. So it takes a little bit of doing, but by containing the mind into certain themes, walking, sitting, standing, breathing, feeling the body, whatever, mental states, deliberate mental states, you keep connecting to that where your attention goes, your energy will eventually get there. That energy will start to transfer. This is the principle of samadhi, is that all that lustrous, radiant quality that can get it's the gold of the mind, you might say, the shining of it, tra- gets taken out from the senses and the past and the future and so forth, transfers into the present. So the mind becomes radiant in the present, in breathing in and breathing out or whatever. It starts to exhibit that quality. Where your attention goes, where your awareness goes, your mind goes, where your mind goes, it takes this energy with it. Of course, here we're not looking at mind purely as a thought, Mind has thought, it has emotion, it has energy. And it's the energetic factor, particularly, that gives this power and this uh, beauty to samadhi. When I say energy, I don't mean an energy of doing things, I mean energy of being, like an energy of awareness, an energy of sensitivity that's tingling, that's bright, that's acute, that's, you know... It's like when you're really with something, your mind is is almost... uh, alive with that mm. and that's what we're containing mm. and uh, so the dross is then the stuff that, that that was stuck in like sense pleasures we had that in it that's why we went for them eating by itself you just go to the action of your jaws is a pretty tedious piece of business Sexuality would be completely, the human species would have died out already if it hadn't been suffused with pleasure because physical activity is, you know, nothing, nothing much, tedious really. So, you know, it's the infusion of that energy with these things that gives them their power. This is what we have to sieve off, keep pulling it out. So, you know, look at the dross, you know, the heaviness of it, the grogginess of it. You know, when you have to eat a meal every day, it's quite an effort, really. And it has a heavy feeling to it. 
you know, I think if it, if it weren't for this sense pleasure, we probably would have starved. <laughs> you know, just because it is a pretty tedious piece of business to have to go through every day. It wasn't for that, those nerve endings, hunger and satiation and taste and so forth. So when you have your meal, you contemplate that. You learn a lot. Just mindfulness of the act of chewing and swallowing and the getting the food and sitting down and washing up. Wow. It's, 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 it's not radiant, is it? It's okay. So this is one of our major contemplations because with that you learn a lot about all the sense pleasures from just the eating because it is that ingesting, taking in and how that seems so important and how it seems after a while so tedious and the heaviness that goes along with it. The other ones are becoming and uh, the big one, so Bhava and this we can see has two particular ways of expressing itself one is a time sense about to be was could i be should i be never will be can't make it you know or got to make it or nearly made it or have made it or something <laughs> you know and our life is being seen in those particular ways this is this is crud this is just all conceit depression doubt worry So, time sense and sense of personhood is becoming the identity. It's part of becoming. So we, as myself and others, and myself will tend to be the crystallization of a particular mindset and memories and perceptions in the present moment. And other people will be particular set of impressions and emotions and memories and so forth same thing it, it sticks together into a lump called a person and we you know when we sit still it isn't long before some of these start walking through our through our mind uh, you know, and they're big charge for good and for bad agitation blame, worry, excitement, nostalgia. Big charge these 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 have these person be these person things that walk through us. And you kind of notice how compulsive it is. So the four senses, the present, oh sorry, the future, the past, self and others, whenever these come in, this is you want to get at least the intellectual Understanding this is becoming, and check it out. What's it? What's it contain? And what does it take? Does it contain qualities that take you to the end of suffering? Maybe, maybe it does. Maybe you think of an inspiring person, and from that inspiring person, you kind of sieve out the good qualities. You think, oh, it's not the person; it's his wisdom or her compassion or his willingness, you know, not the particular quality. So you, you sieve, you take that out, you, you know, 
Otherwise, you're left in sense of sorrow at the passing, nostalgia, comparisons, whether you're good enough, what they think about you. And it gets all kind of turgid and agitated and clunky. So, like, people imagine Sumato leaving, people getting kind of quite, you know, some people getting a bit worked up about it in the lay community. But uh, imagine if somebody's been teaching for years, there is no Ajahn Sumedho. <laughs> so, what are we looking at? We're looking at all the qualities that this, this that we experience. You know, hopefully the you know the positive qualities, and we might have some negative qualities. But we're looking at the positive qualities. You know, the generosity, the the steadiness, the the giving of his efforts, the uh, clarity, the, st- the wisdom, the, all these things. Wow. Yeah. And like when uh, the Buddha said when Sariputra and uh, Moggallana died, did they take the Eightfold Path with them? No. Did they take the Enlightenment Factors with them? No. <laughs> did they take the Dharma with them? No. You know, of course. So you, you take that, you want to take that back. Nobody wants to be a teacher who then makes people feel attached and miserable. Or idolizing and, and you know in in that way you want people to certainly if people can enjoy you know the way the Dhamma is manifested through this is this is beautiful to see this you know, when we have a human being who can manifest qualities of Dhamma that's precious but don't leave it in that dross you've got to sieve it out then you don't have any loss and then you have don't something you keep you have to keep comparing yourself with or wondering about your relationship with him. Does he like me? Does he not like me? Have I done enough? Have I not done enough? You know, just this is not this is agitation and worry. With Ajahn Chah, it's, he said people always want to collect his hair and fingernails. And he's saying, well, you know, you give people the best, and what they want is that all the all the Crud. I think you use the stronger word, but I'll, I'll go through that now. They just want the stuff that you want to chuck away. They want your, your fingernails and hair. <laughs> I'm giving you the dumber. <laughs> you know, they, have to, they sometimes have to block the drainage channels of some of these teachers because the people want, want the, the water that's, that they've used when they've washed their bodies. They don't want to collect the water. They have to stop people doing that, you know. Because there's a personhood thing. And of course, with ourselves, we can have perhaps less wonderful impressions. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the thing you don't want to, you don't want to looking at people in that sense. So how he's better than I am, or wiser, or whatever I'm not as good at, or you know maybe better than, or but sense of mudita for the the good and yourself and in others. So certainly exemplars can remind you of these qualities of the mind, these qualities of the spirit, these qualities of practice, and that's what you want. That's that's taking the gold out of the ore. And sieving off, cleaning off the dross. 
Then when you have the experience of negative impressions of other people, leave that, if that's theirs, leave it with them. If it's yours, notice the irritation, the sourness, the mind. Mm. This is what this is what will stay with me if I if I don't clean this off. This will stay with me. Mm. And we look at our own uh, um, problems and uh, hindrances with uh, the image. Sometimes I find useful is of someone carrying a like a dead animal round their neck a dog or a snake I think the Buddha used this is a person a fine looking young man or woman who is carrying this dead carcass round their neck this is not worthy of me I don't need this you take it off it's not that you are innately rotten miserable, bitter, twisted, angry nasty, negative but you're carrying something. There's an innate beauty the Buddha rem- trying to remind us of in these images. That we have gold, but there's also dross. And you clean off that ill will. Put it, recognize we have this tendency, let's put it down. Let's just clear it. Remember, remember who you are. Remember what you want to live with. Remember what you want to abide in. That's the thing, no matter how you know, rotten somebody else is, or seems to be, or you feel your experience of them is, you know, if it's theirs, they have to live that out. Don't make it, if we make it our own, we have to live that out. It's a simple pragmatism of it. So, it's cleaning it off. The need to be something, the need to become something. And with the, many of these uh, bhava tendencies, becoming tendencies, you just look into unpack the story and you come to things like worry or doubt. Or you come to things like needing a perception to lean on. As soon as you come to that place, you you know, what you want to be, what you want to feel yourself as, you come back to the, the awareness of that, calming the mind, steadying the mind in that. It's from that place of steadying and calmness that the true beauty will arise. This is why the goldsmith skims off the dross. He doesn't add to the gold. He doesn't throw gold powder into it. He doesn't add some glitter to it. Just keeps skimming it off. And then he looks with equanimity at the results. And from that even-mindedness, you begin to see, sense the radiance, the value, the strength that's there. We all have that. It doesn't really matter how much dross there is as long as you keep skimming it. And you find a way to do that. 
through meditation is certainly what we're doing at this time, but of course our whole lives as contemplatives is dedicated to this. We skim off the dross in our actions, in our service, in our precepts, in our sense of living with each other. The dross keeps coming up, keeps arising. Don't expect it not to arise. Through right action, right view, right livelihood, right speech, right mindfulness, right effort, you skim it off. And look with some sense of even-mindedness at the whole process, something we're going through. And we're going through it because we want to. You know, we've decided to. So that's that's beautiful too. Wow. Chose this, you know. Look at that, that aspiration, that interest. Sometimes asking myself, what do I really, really want? Long term, that helps. <laughs>